Susanna Heath. Welcome again to Viva La Flora live podcast. Today's guest is Arthur Williams, a true artist behind uh, some of most amazing elaborate headpieces that some of you have seen. So Arthur's journey began with gardening, sculpting, and photography. And later on in 1996, he opened his own business, Babylon Floral Design. Then he followed with in 2015, became an AIFD member, or American Institute of Floral Designers. He was inducted into um, an AIFD, followed up with um, ENC, which is the European Master Certification. He was also one of the first seven people in Colorado who became a certified professional florist. So move fast forward, he has been competing pretty much throughout his entire career actually um, or floral career he has won multiple competitions he's been published in multiple publications local and national he's done a lot of collaborations with some other designers such as Tommy Gilliam uh, Stacy Carlton this year he has done a main stage presentation um, at AIFD symposium he has been featured in 50 mile bouquet with Deborah Prinzing also have published his own book Babylon Decade now the one of the coolest things that Arthur does that I'm just so fascinated by are his um, human flower, floral projects. Now, he's done that for Denver Botanic Gardens, but he has done, I think, something similar to North Carolina Museum of Art, where he actually transforms the models into a floral work of art. Now, every piece that I have seen that Arthur Williams has done has been a true collaboration of organic and non-organic, this, this almost this ten natural tension and harmony all at the same time. His use of color, texture, I mean, layer upon layer, it, is, it, it really is a true work of art. That being said, I'm going to dive right into the interview with Arthur Williams. All right, Arthur. Well, welcome to the show. Welcome to Viva La Flora podcast. And thank you so much for being a guest at our podcast. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm super, super excited, actually, because I've been a fan of your work for a really long time. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I'm serious. I, I had to do a headpiece um, some time ago, and I literally had to channel my inner Arthur to do a headpiece for a fashion show. And it was every bit inspired by your headpieces. So, yes, (laughs) for sure. So, um, well, let's start. So, you have a bunch of letters behind your name. I, like, literally just want to dive right into that, actually, first. So, I know a lot of listeners know some of the acronyms, right? But some people probably don't. And um, do you mind elaborating on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. So um, I, I basically started with our local area, mm-hmm. um, the Certified Professional Florist Program, which is kind of an offshoot of the Michigan um, kind of education programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me like to A- AIFD and then CFD and then AIFD. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. From there, I went on to the European Master Certification Program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely all about education and getting just as much and varied opinions, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Um, I also have a background in a cabana. So I'm kind of the member at large for our local organization. But I'm really drawn to Sogetsu as kind of one of my like most important inspirations. And it actually shows in your work quite a bit. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I have never studied a cabana. I do recognize it. Um, and I do know the differences between the schools. Mm. But I cannot tell you more than anything else beyond that actually i do know it takes a lot of practice and a lot of discipline to you know to master that and i think it's like kind of all of the different schools have have similarities Mm -hmm. and even cross-cultural like similarities Mm -hmm. it's fun to like see what you're drawn to and then find out how that translates Mm -hmm. like why you're drawn to it and how it comes through in your work Right. Um, I've noticed the freestyle ikebana kind of speaks to me a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I understand it more. You know what I mean? I just don't know much about the other um, the other ones, which is why I probably don't quite understand language as much. To me, it seems like it's a language in a way. And some of the, like, there's just a lot of rules. Right. So, like, sometimes I, I know I find myself kind of, like, I don't know. I don't like to follow the rules all the time. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so it's easier for me to like kind of 
know where the rules are and then know how to like break them without things not working. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that, that, that totally makes sense. <laughs> but sounds like you've put a lot of work in learning the rules so then you can actually break them like a master, right? Oh yeah. Cause yeah. I, I do have like a, like a, I don't, I wouldn't say regular retail, but I do have a flower shop. So I do everything like a normal flower shop would do, but mm -hmm. just my take on it. So mm -hmm. everything has to be, you know, deliverable and it has to last a certain amount of time. And so there are some rules that I do follow, but whenever I can get away from them a little bit, I definitely go as far as I can. Right. No, that's great. Um, and you're in Denver, correct? I am. Yeah. What part of Denver are you? Um, I'm in the uptown neighborhood, which is pretty much like two minutes from downtown. Gotcha. Gotcha. I I may visit Denver, actually. So I may stop by your stores <laughs> sometimes in the near future. I was there and somehow I did not think twice about it, actually. Um, but yeah, no, Denver is a really cool city. And I do think you have the right market to actually push the boundaries a little bit as well you know it just it, oh, yeah. it seems yeah that will never fly around dc you know just kind <laughs> of push, push the limits a little bit it's so traditional around here but um but now i i totally understand it so what was the whole um emc process like for you because i know that was kind of one of the latest things that you've done um well i know it was, it was 2015 but um i mean it it really like spoke to me probably like the most right it was so much more in depth for me and just going into the nomenclature and just like more kind of broad philosophical kind of, I don't know, aspects, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's like by, by the third, third part of it, it really brought the whole program together for me and it really defined kind of what I did. It gave me like a language, I guess. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. it's like my customers can tell my work. Right. It's like they know where it came from. They know my shop. But it's like, what about my work? Could they recognize that I couldn't really define myself? I see what you're saying. So we really got like into that in, in part three. Mm -hmm. Just like broad range of design that all comes back together. Mm -hmm. like, world design for me. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of like the, oh, wow moment of like, I get it. I get what I do that a lot of it is kind of autopilot for me. Right. Right. But now it's like I have the language behind it to like this is why I do the things I do. This is the things I'm drawn to, and this is why I'm drawn to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it kind of defined my work as like I like a lot of tension. So it's all about the tension between static and dynamic lines. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So in like some some ways it's kind of messy, but I focus on these little micro sections of arrangements. Mm -hmm. so if you take a bunch of close-ups of the arrangement, you'll find the same qualities between the, the static and dynamic lines mm -hmm. where I'm fixated on. I want to go back and dissect your arrangements now and take a look at them with that eye, actually. Oh, yeah. I, I really do. I want to go back and actually look at that from, from that perspective. That's, that's really interesting. It's kind of like, because I also have a gardening background. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it kind of goes back to like, I think a garden is kind of a, a collaboration between man and nature. True. So it'd be like a, a trellis. It's very architectural and, and very like structured. Mm -hmm. And the way nature overtakes it, that kind of defines my work. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I totally can see exactly what you're describing in your work, which is, um, mm -hmm. it's interesting, but, um, I, I kind of always looked at it as a whole. Um, and even the ones that you're saying it's kind of messy. I think there is, a great beauty in being messy <laughs> just you know because the whole nature is messy right oh yeah yeah there, there's a like nature has its ways yes like, very predictable and mm -hmm. it's kind of i don't know surprise sort of behavior <laughs> yeah no i do love what you do with color i absolutely love the vibrant colors that you bring out i mean I know a lot of the times I can tell that you're taking inspiration from tattoos, or it seems at least. Mm. Um, and I just I love the combination of um, you know color slash tattoos slash you know man-made material with the natural. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? How do, how does that process work for you? Um, I think that comes a lot through like more of my fashion stuff, mm -hmm. and it's it's really drawn from like tribal cultures. 
-hmm. Like my mechanics usually, I mean, there's various ways I do things for different events, but it's like usually the simplest way is the best and the less parts is, is the best. So it's like, I kind of take that aspect and then I find when you're putting flowers on a model, you want the model to be as intense as the flowers. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really ramp up the color and a lot of makeup and really like dramatic. Mm -hmm. I I feel like if you just put flowers on a person and you have them very natural looking, Mm -hmm. um, there's this like weird tension of like too much color and not enough color and it doesn't pull together as one thought. I see what you're saying. So it's like, try to ramp up the model to be just as intense as the flowers. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of one, one becomes a continuation of the other almost. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I can totally see that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. I wish I was in North Carolina when you did your um, fashion show there. I, I missed that event completely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was there. I was there three years before that, you know, every year. And then the year I wasn't there. You did the fashion show that I missed that I really wanted to see, but I heard it was fantastic and I've seen some pictures and it looked absolutely amazing. We'll just have to coordinate better. Right? I know. I know. So the thing I noticed when I was in North Carolina, actually, um, um, people there are very traditional in a way, but the Mm -hmm. minute they come close to art, I mean, all that just goes away. Oh yeah. It it was fascinating to me to see. Did Did you experience some of that? I mean, Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was interesting because like, I think my like just appearance in general may mm-hmm. shock people a little, which I, I usually don't even think about it like at all. Sure. And I was, I was set up in the gift store doing a book signing and people just didn't know like what to think about me. And it was really <laughs> funny. And then the, that night was like the big show and I was on stage. So it was like, it kind of brought it all back together for people. Right. It's just funny because it's like very, very traditional. Mm -hmm. You don't even like think about stuff like that. But then once you got like flowers on people and it was like happening, like people were just amazed and they love to like see like in person. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think people really think the flowers are real most of the time. Right. Like they're in person, they can see the flowers, they can smell the flowers. And it's just like, a totally different different experience for them. Right. Yeah, no, I that was that, that was the biggest surprise for me actually cuz the year before that um they you know AIFD did a fashion show. It was AIFD and friends. At the time I wasn't an AIFD, so mm-hmm. I came on to it as a friend or I was invited to participate in it as a friend. And I the theme was Tahitian nights, I think. So um, if you can imagine Tahitian tribes and whatnot, so, you know, kind of everybody took that direction. I made two pieces, and one was supposed to be sort of the evening out kind of version, if you can imagine a Tahitian evening, that is, right? Mm -hmm. The other one was a bikini. Well, I didn't take in consideration when my girl walked down down that stage, as she walked, you know, her bikini became smaller and smaller in the back. (laughs) So it it was... one of the, I mean, it was gorgeous, I and mean, she was stunning. And um, luckily, she was petite, so nothing was like really outrageous on her, right? <laughs> but I felt so bad when she came off the stage. Um, I had, I mean, some people they're like, "Well, you know, I mean, this is North Carolina. Like, you can't really do this kind of stuff." I'm like, I, you know, that was not really on purpose, and nothing came off or came apart. It's just that, you know, my leaves just raised up a little bit, right? <laughs> so, anyways. But the entire crowd afterwards, you know, because models kind of mingled with the um, with the um, public, you know, after the event, which was kind of really fun to see because everybody was coming close to every single model, touching things, and, you know, it was really cool um, to see that. But to see then their reaction, how they reacted to it, they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is great. This is that. This is the other. I was like, oh, Yes, they didn't notice that, and it was fantastic. <laughs> but I was surprised. I was not expecting that welcoming, you know, the art in its art form, kind of, you know, and as unusual as it was for them. Um, yeah, so it was, it was it was an interesting experience to say the least. But it was it was fascinating to see. Yeah, I, I love working in museums for that because people are just so receptive to it. Yes, and there's no question like you're an artist. You're working in a museum. You're yeah. creating. And it's totally not a question about it. And I I love that. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, I mean, they, they really appreciate art, right? So, yeah, I feel like it's 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 such a easy segue from from them to go from one art form to another. So yes, I do too. I actually really like working with museums as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I cannot wait to ask you about your chicken. So oh. totally, totally random segue into this, but I've been like dying to talk to you about your chicken. You have a chicken. <laughs> this is so cool. We have two right now. We have two. Oh. Um, originally, like I grew up on a farm, so mm-hmm. it's like, I always had chickens as a child, and it seemed like way easier as a child. And like now, chickens in the city is like super complicated, and it's like chicken diseases and like all yeah. this stuff. It's like wow, this is way harder than it used to be. <laughs> But I originally, um, we just started getting Japanese beetles in our area. Yeah. And okay. it's like, they will like totally destroy like everything in the garden. Well, not everything, but certain things like right. creeper. I had ivy, um, like rose bushes, peonies. They go after flowers. They just eat everything. Oh my goodness. So you have yeah. polka dotted leaves and everything else now. That's awful. So I I really don't like to spray anything because I have a pond and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't want to poison everything. So our, our botanic gardens actually brings in chickens to kind of go after the beetles. Ah. So, oh, I think that's a great idea. It's like, we'll get some chickens. They can have the beetles. We'll get eggs. Everybody wins. So that's kind of how that started. And now they've become like our pets and they're kind of ridiculously adorable. <laughs> I've seen some videos. Yes, they are adorable. I I didn't grow up in a farm, but I uh, in the summers I visit my visited my grandparents, and both grandparents had chicken, mm. and uh, yeah, free range chicken. You know, they're like everywhere all the time. So, but yeah, I kind of grew up um, somewhat seeing that, but I cannot possibly imagine raising them in a city. How big is your garden? Um, I mean, it's like our the lot that my house is on is like a seven thousand square foot lot. Mm-hmm house is like a thousand square foot <laughs> i gotcha all right so, so you like, have a good size yeah <laughs> gotcha gotcha yeah yeah that's that's awesome that's awesome i i love gardening i i don't have a green thumb i try but yeah that's it's not my strongest suit <laughs> for <laughs> sure i do enjoy it um so you were recently in asia right yeah i went to japan for the it's um the international flower contest mm-hmm and it's at a place called Haustenbosch, which is a, a Dutch-themed, like, like oh, how to describe it? It's a theme park, and it's, like, recreated parts of Belgium and Amsterdam, and it's, like, meticulous, meticulously perfect. That's interesting. <laughs> In, like, the southern part of Japan, um, probably, like, an hour from Nagasaki. Right. So they have a lot of garden shows and... Um, like floral design competitions and shows. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the most amazing, like surreal place. That's <laughs> so they, sounds they invited amazing. Um, is like last, actually I was at Symposium behind stage and I got a Facebook message from the coordinator. Mm-hmm. At first I didn't even think it was real. I'm like, well, this sounds like too good to be true. Right. So um, after Symposium, I followed up on it and uh-huh. I had to pretty much come up with my concepts and sketches and lists of everything I needed um, by August so that we could have everything planned mm-hmm. for October. Oh, wow. So it was a lot of work, and it was really amazing. Did you have to ship a lot of your stuff there, or were you able to um, like get everything that you needed from there directly? They actually, like everything that I had fabricated, mm-hmm. They built for me there. Oh, wow. Nice. So it was a combination of drawings and, like, paper sculptures and, mm-hmm. like, photos of things. Right. And we were able to, to do my metal work just, like, through Facebook messages. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty amazing. And then what we did is we had a list of everything, like, your master list of, like, I really want all these things. Mm-hmm. And then they priced it from multiple suppliers. Right. And then... Um, we would go back and forth, like, you know, what's most important. Sure. And then we actually flew in at the end of a typhoon. Oh, my God. <laughs> so some of my stuff didn't make it. Like, there was amaranthus that, that got destroyed. Oh, no. There were some things that just couldn't get there in time. So that changes, like, designs a little bit. But overall, my, my designs stayed pretty close to what my original sketches were. Right, right. 
So were you lucky enough to work with some of the amazing Japanese product or? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Right. It was like amazing. And people were like, oh, it's not as nice as previous years. And I'm like, are you kidding me? What? <laughs> this is like most, like the most amazing Gloriosa I've ever seen. I and like, this is perfect. How could it be more perfect than this? Oh, wow. I, I have never seen anything that is not perfect from Japan. Not even like, okay, like not perfect. Like I have not seen that yet. Everything came, um, so things kind of were shipped from, from Tokyo and then mm -hmm. from Fukuoka. And there's a lot, like a lot of small growers. So if you need like a mass quantity of stuff, it, it could be a little bit hard sourcing it locally. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of like little boutique growers. Um, one of the things that I found interesting was I ordered black Bacara roses and like kind of used to what we get here in the States. And they were actually like a little more delicate, almost like a sweetheart rose, right. but they were completely perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, everything was packaged so like, perfectly that nothing could get bruised or like damaged. It was really amazing. That's yeah, that's it's fun. I mean, it goes, it goes along with Japanese culture in general. I mean, um, the care and handling of anything for that matter. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. there's, it's, it, it's, it's the culture. I mean, it, it shows in the whole Ikebana as well. I mean, it just kind of, I mean, that's just how they do things. You know, everything is very meticulous, very detailed. And they're very detail oriented, and it's just yeah, it's I think it's it's fascinating, and there's oh, a lot yeah. of passion that goes into it. I mean, it's if it's not perfect, it's not right. It's just it's and just like everyday stuff. Like we actually had seven different bags to sort recycling into. Really, like like, di like different items in different bags. Yeah, like like water bottles mm -hmm. in one bag, but then the the label would go into another bag. Um, all of our fresh stuff would go into one bag. Metal would go into one bag. Aluminum would go into one bag. Oh, wow. So everything was meticulously, like, separated. And that's just, like, a way of life. So it's, like, yeah. not a big deal. It's, like, that's just what you do. Right. So that was really – and it's, like, everything was perfect and clean everywhere. It was just, like, there's no trash cans because people don't leave trash in public. They bring it home with them and they recycle it. So it was really interesting to see all the things that, like, Americans are really bad at, like, actually works – like perfectly in real life. Yeah. So wow. that was nice to see too. Yeah, we have we have a lot of learning to do when it comes to those kind of things for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, that is for sure. That is that that's fascinating. Wow. I, I yeah, I did not know that. I mean I knew they're really good in, you know, recycling and being eco friendly in, in in their um way of living, but I I had no idea it actually went that far. Wow. That's yeah. that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Try try implementing that in the United States. I know. It's really hard to get people to even, like, separate paper from, like, green right. or something. I, I, I know. I know. My goodness. It's it, it's hard. Yeah. So, speaking of eco-friendly, so you do have a shop. Um, how, um, I mean, are you... Are you trying to do form-free? Where, where are you at with those, um, you know... How do you get around that? Or do you even, um, you know, try to do foam-free arrangements? Um, well, so it's complicated. <laughs> I, oh, my God. I know. I know. I'm, I'm so conflicted and just, yes, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I pretty much only use foam if it's, like, the only mechanic that will yeah. work. Yeah. So it's, like, sometimes for party work or, like, if you have to make an orb of something. Um, mm -hmm. So that's... I mean, I do use some, but for the most part, we do branches as kind of an in interior armature in all of our arrangements. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I work with a local farmer that I've worked with probably like 25 years now. Mm -hmm. And I get like dogwood, curly willow, pussy willow, um, any of the blooming branches I get all winter. And then in the summer, he grows like celosia and sunflowers and grasses. Nice. And so I get quite a lot from him to kind of like add to things because mm -hmm. it's not it's not so perfect. So it has that kind of wabi sabi quality that I love. Right. So it's like a combination. I, I do buy with another shop and we get stuff from California and from Ecuador like twice a week. 
and then I fill in with my local farmer, and then I also go to my local markets where I usually like most of my tropicals and orchids, and just kind of random stuff that kind of shows up. I'll shop there. Right. So a combination of all the different ways of buying. Yeah, I I, I know it's um, it's almost becoming. I mean, when you're doing an event, that I think I feel like that's where it all becomes, for me at least, um, complicated. For kind of everyday stuff or corporate and that kind of stuff, it's not as hard to do. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to events, is that that's when it's like, you know, when times and at times the time is the basically the highest commodity you've got at that point. You're like, well, I mean, you know, you, you've got to deliver. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I definitely face face those challenges as well. And I am trying to be as much phone free as I can, but I do still use some. And um, I don't like it, but, you know, I haven't found a way get, getting around some of the things myself. So I was wondering right. if you had any cool little techniques, but definitely branches. I mean, and I'm pretty sure your Ikebana background helps you with that because, I mean, I've learned a lot of really cool yeah. techniques of branches and, and, and it all came from Ikebana and not taking Ikebana just from different people who did Ikebana and they're like, you know, this is, you can do this or that, then this is really cool. Um, no, it's been very helpful. Yeah. Most of our, our like just everyday stuff we'll do like kind of wind up a dogwood or curly willow, mm -hmm. um, just kind of multiple circles. And then the tension of it will hold the leaf leaf wrap on the inside of the vase. Mm -hmm. And usually enough to like, be pretty much spill proof. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Um, so that would be if you're actually um, doing single stem insertions. But um, yeah, I, I found myself doing like hand ties and just, you know, dropping them in a vase, um, mm -hmm. you know, with some sort of a treatment around the vase if it's clear or, you know, if I don't want it to be clear or whatever. Um, I, I've kind of found myself doing a lot of that for corporate um, mm -hmm. clients more than, you know, anything else. But... Yeah, some things are hard to do. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> so what does your everyday um day to day operation looks like at the shop? Um like from what, what point of view, I guess. So I actually did not know you had an actual shop. I thought you had a studio. So you do have a shop, so it's a walk in shop. Customers can come in and pick up everyday stuff and right? Yeah, it's um it's about a thousand square feet mm -hmm. and then our kind of showroom area which is basically just a fancy closet because <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really sell a ton of retail but right. we do plants and then I do like like more fun bases up front um, I just try to create more of an environment I see but it's basically like our storage of, of fancier things so I it's got you. environment but it's like we pretty much will pull most of that for orders Right. But we do like plants and orchids and succulents and air plants. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I kind of have a like seating area so we can do wedding consultations there. Nice. And then the back is just kind of all business with the, the big walk-in cooler. And then I just do kind of those metal rolling tables. as mm -hmm. So everything is visible on shelving. So I like to be able to see everything that's available to work with at all times. Right, yeah. But it's in a, um, it's kind of a, it's actually an old mop factory and it's, it's split up into three stores now huh. and it's, it's like a building from I think the 1920s, oh, wow. but our, our neighborhood's going through a lot of like crazy gentrification and building. And now we're going to have an eight story building across the street from us. That's all first floor retail and then like condos above that. Oh, so yeah. it's changing rapidly, but it's, it's working out. Right. Well, that might actually end up being good thing for your business. Um, I think so. The only yeah. bad thing is that in the winter, it blocks our sun for like two months. Oh, yeah. So that makes me really angry. But otherwise, so far, it's not been too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I see. So where where is the bulk of your business comes from? Is it mainly weddings and events then? Uh, actually, it's more, more everyday and website. And, um, and what? I'm so sorry. Oh, our, our website's probably... Oh, website. Gotcha a third of our business oh okay um i sell in a like a less traditional way so i've kind of named styles so people can pick a style like countrypolitan or neotropica mm -hmm. and they pick their style they pick a price range color scheme and if they want tall or compact mm -hmm. or centerpiece okay and then 
we have all the freedom to like create what needs to be made within those parameters. So it's always going to be what they want um, without having to be like a product. Right. That's so actually that, fun. That's been really good. So it, it gets a little complicated for holidays when we're really super busy. Right. But for the most part, it's like the easiest way for my brain to work without having to like buy in a certain way because it's like I basically like have my standing orders twice a week and then my local farmer, which is kind of random. Mm -hmm. I fill in with like fun stuff that I just can't, can't not buy. Right. So it's like, we're only selling what we have. So we don't have to like run to the wholesale all the time, but we have all the freedom to kind of make the parameters work for the customer. Right. I can imagine that actually would be kind of interesting for the customer to shop as well. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm thinking from my perspective, if I, if I were a customer, I mean, I would, I would enjoy that. It's almost like a fun little game. You know, you're kind of like putting together your own, you know, sort of personalized arrangement and you have no idea what it's going to look like and it's going to be cool at the end, you know? So I like that. that that's actually very, very creative. And some people like, are like, we don't understand. And it's like, we, we have to talk, talk them through it sometimes. Mm -hmm. and like a lot of times we'll just send them pictures. Like, you know, once it's done, we'll send you a picture. Um, but it's like, once we, we get through that initial, like, how does this work? Mm -hmm. And the finished product, then it's like, they're our customer forever. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. It's it's like going to a really good, healthy salad bar and creating your own you know, fancy little salad. And, you know, yeah, no, I, I like that. I really do like that, actually. Um, I just feel like um, flower business, you know, brick and mortar flower shops are kind of becoming this dying business almost type of thing, um, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think the way that you're actually doing that, it makes it more creative, more fun. And yeah, I can only imagine that yes. would actually grow and become better. But yeah, I can, yeah. And everybody's looking for an experience nowadays, it seems. Oh yeah, and the interaction part where it's like, I mean, you have to have a, a collaboration. Mm -hmm. like, so that, that becomes more apparent. And then it's like, once you have like, you know, here's a, I'll text you a picture. And then it's like, okay, you feel comfortable. And then it's like the person that like, receives it. Right. Tells them to enjoy it. Sure. And then it becomes this like interactive experience. No, yeah, I totally, yeah, I can totally see that. Then yeah, that, that sounds fantastic. And it's very smart, you know. So how many, how many employees do you guys have? Um, I actually just have one, one full-time designer and mm -hmm. then like a, 30 hour a week delivery driver that's also learning design from us. Nice. So he's a also a DJ, so he's a very like musical artistic person. But okay. he's really picked up like floral design. So we're like teaching him. But I think the easiest way is to keep it small and not not get out of control with labor. Mm-hmm. And then it's more personable because it's like there's only like three of us. So it's like you talk to one of us. Right. That, that, yeah, no, I, I, I get it. So how do you get around the weddings? Do you guys, all three of you just handle the weddings or do you hire free, freelancers um, when you have a larger event? Um, if it's a bigger event, I'll definitely bring in freelancers. Right. Um, but I, I, I tend to like, I think like to do smaller weddings where it's just like more detailed and more personal. I do too. I do too. I do too. I have absolutely no desire to make enormous ballroom pieces just just yeah. don't <laughs> behind that's just not quite worth it for me <laughs> same and well aesthetically I am not a fan also um I I do like yeah I mean I, I like more intricate and more details and yeah more interesting things than just making kind of a lot of the same type of thing and just yeah no I, I get it from financial perspective it's fine but you know, I yeah, no, I'm with you on a smaller events. I, I try to keep things on a smaller side as well, for sure. Well, A, I can't really handle that kind of a large event right now, you know, where I am, but um, but I do enjoy the small ones, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. Um, so um, you have done quite a few competitions. So you have won quite a few competitions, and you were at World Cup, and what are your thoughts? Um, 
Well, I love to see, like, so most of my competition stuff has been, like, local. Right. It's totally different, different perspective. Like, it's more kind of along the lines of, like, AIFD testing. Right. And, that mm-hmm. and then in Japan, it was, it was way different. Um, so it wasn't, like, competition in, like, a cutthroat way. It's, like, everyone was friendly and everyone helped each other. Mm-hmm. But they really go off of, of your initial sketches and your initial concepts. So in my process, I had a, a table for two design. Mm-hmm. I wanted a, like a three-foot wood slab for. And when they cut, they actually cut a tree down for me for this, which I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh. oh wow. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and it, it turned out to be hollow. And they were like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. It's not what you wanted. And I'm like, you know, I really like it that way. It's right. it, way better for me. So that um, that choice cost me points in the end because it changed my design for the table. Oh, it didn't match your initial sketch. So, gotcha. But I always, as like small business owner, like designer, I always like surprises like that. So it's like I was like, oh, I love it. It's it's better. Right. So I could have I could have made it more along the lines of my original design, but I like changed it just enough that it was like different. Right, sorry. right. My in the background crying, so sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> I didn't want to come to work today. I'm like, sorry, you have to. Aww. So that was, and also my sketches, like, I am a horrible, like, sketcher. So I, I used the weird Sharpies that are on my desk that had no, like, colors related to what I was doing. Oh, I see. So, I, I mean, I still place bronze, so it worked out pretty good <laughs> right right but it's like, things like that the details like in in other cultures and other competitions are way more like specific yeah so we actually had to measure the night before the judging and my my large piece was like maybe seven inches too tall so i had to like get in with a saw and cut down like part of that piece oh my god <laughs> It was, my mechanics are perfect. So it was like, nothing could have knocked that thing down. <laughs> right. So I cut the top off of that. And then my table was literally like three millimeters too big. You're joking. So we had to like crunch down my, my exterior structure that kind of wrapped the table and like chop off anything that could possibly be over, over limit. Right. People would be disqualified for even that small of a, a tempera a measurement change. And there was people that actually got disqualified because they wouldn't sh- like, like shrink down things. Really. And then one of the rules in the in the rule book was you couldn't use a chair for your table for two design. Mm-hmm. And designers put a chair next to their table, and that just disqualified them completely. I see. I see. So the rules are very very important in in international design competitions. Yeah, I. Uh... I kind of realized that um, after watching the World Cup, and it was it was fascinating. I, I enjoyed every second of it. I love competing myself, and to me, this was just like kid in a candy store kind of situation. You know, I was yeah. like, "Oh my god, I love this!" But the recap that EMC did afterwards was was interesting, kind of to get behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and ask the questions. And that that was that was very interesting that they literally measure. Or don't really measure, but look at the water that is in the water tube. You know what I mean? Like the level of water or something. I, I, just just details to that degree, um, which I guess if you're competing at that level is important. But my God, it's, it's a lot. It was a lot to take in. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, you have to know everything about your materials and what kind of like water source you have and how long that's going to last. And right. It's. I mean, it's stuff that I think everyone in our industry needs to know. I agree. But it's like, it's amazing to see it like in practice. And like, these are the rules and you have to go with it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I 100% agree with you. I mean, I I did the EMC last year myself. And when you were saying that you kind of learn how to explain the things that came naturally and you kind of did it on autopilot, Hmm. it was very much the same for me. Uh, I mean, I, I discovered the why or the reasons behind the things that I was doing, you know, I could not explain to save my life in the beginning. And now I totally can. 
And the whole nomenclature thing, I mean, I'm not coming from a gardening background or anything like that or horticulture or anything, you know, of that sort. So it was very, very new and different language for me to learn. But I learned so much through that. And I look at things very differently. And, um, yeah, I, I feel like it was one of the challenging, in a way, mm-hmm. things that I've done as far as uh, floral career-wise, you know. Um, but it definitely made me way, way, way better designer. Um, you know, just, yeah, even the way of thinking, it's very different. So, okay. yeah, no, and I agree with you. Everybody in our industry should should learn the basics, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like you can take, take one flower and, like, learn everything about it, and then you can make a design based on that flower's growing structures mm-hmm. and water needs. And, like, you can take it to such a different place yeah. A lot of times I think that I'm not necessarily creative, but I'm more of a problem solver. So it's like the creative creativity comes from solving the problems of like timing and how long it has to last and the color scheme and like mm-hmm. what's so all these problems come together and then by solving them I create the design and that's where the creativity comes through. Yeah, some I mean, yeah, no, I I agree. I mean I I mean, I do think you're creative, so um, yeah, I'm not buying the not creative part <laughs> at all. But, but I, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure you go through these moments, or do you go through these moments where you're like, you're stuck. You're like, all right, I, I got nothing. <laughs> where do I go with this? You know, I, I mean, I feel that way sometimes. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, but I think that's where like having restrictions kind of makes you a better designer. I agree. Because then you're forced to deal with all of these things and that sparks the next idea and the next thought, like the next problem solving thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, lack of resources or lack of, you know, certain things or inability to do certain things kind of pushes you to the next level. I totally agree with you. Yeah. And that's where new mechanics come from all the time. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. I'll do things specifically with, with a Denver art museum where I'll do installations with people. Mm-hmm. Be in, in gallery spaces that can't have open water sources and can't be in there for more than four hours, and that includes setup and teardown. And it's like it makes you think really on your toes, and you have to like solve these problems to make your your final vision happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and it takes a lot of thinking ahead. You know. Oh. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. So um, yeah, you. Water- in those water tubes for those seven hours of work (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and know how many water tubes to put in there to be able to water all of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I faced that at one point i was like oh this is entirely too many water tubes for a short (laughs) amount of time we made it happen but my god it was it was i i never thought that what putting water in a water tube would be like the most stressful part of the event you know it's like am i gonna make it (laughs) yeah no, that, that definitely happened too. So um, so you've been featured in uh, 50 Mile Bouquet with uh, Denbra Prinzing, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Um, she actually, well, I met her. She was doing um, a program at our local botanic gardens. Mm-hmm. And I, I do arrangements for the speakers of each. It's the Bonfi Staten series. Uh-huh. So every speaker that comes in, I'll do an arrangement that kind of matches like what they're doing or talking about. Right. And um, with her, it was all local and, and sustainable. So it's like, well, I can do that. That's, I mean, half of my business is that. Right. So, um, that's how I met her. And then she ended up coming and interviewing me and coming to the store. And then I ended up in her book. And nice. like, we still talk back and forth and I see her at events. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's good to see how that's grown also and how people are actually becoming involved in like their lives and where things come from and how things are grown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the whole uh, slow flower movement, I mean, is it's, it's definitely turning some serious waves. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it kind of became its own thing. And yeah, I was talking to um, Deborah, actually, I interviewed her for the podcast as well. And um, I learned a great deal about the whole slow flower movement. You know, uh, I, I knew very little about it. And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone. Um, and 
kind of felt like I was living under the rock a little bit, mm -hmm. you know. But no, it was it, it was it was it was a great interview, and I really enjoyed it, and I I enjoyed learning about it, and I'm very happy that people are so aware of these things. You know, it's just kind of kind of makes me happy <laughs> the whole local right. everything movement. Um, it does cost a little more, though. You know, that's that's. Yeah, we, we really need to like like reach the public though. That's oh, absolutely. Like, obsession with with education i really love talking with the public and really teaching them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's who pays our bills and it's like i think as an industry we like to to show off to each other and we don't ever show things to the public that they need to see yeah yeah I mean, so that's part of my mission is to like really get out to out to the public and like teach them about what we do and how it works and yeah what it really means well, yeah, that's that's great, and yes, it is it is incredibly important. So, what's your favorite thing to do? Like, what's your absolute favorite style or design to make? Um, well, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, I I think probably the stuff I did in Japan has probably been the most like fun and gratifying mm -hmm. because it was all me, like all my concepts and I had a good budget mm -hmm. and it, I was able to really like do it. Right. Like I think a lot of things I do like is very budget, like sensitive and time sensitive. And so this was like, we had like five days to design and it was just nice to be able to work on like two things for five days and really go like go big and like, really get all the details that you want in there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Probably my, my favorite two so far. Gotcha. So what's your go-to mechanic when you're doing your head pieces, actually, is really what I want to know. Um, well, for runway, I, I actually usually do some sort of like styrofoam base. Okay. And I've been doing a lot of like wrapping in yarn, but it could also be wrapped in hair extension so it like looks more natural. Uh -huh. I usually like like circles, like wreath, wreath forms and orbs are kind of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And I usually work with a, a hairstylist to kind of work them into the hair so that they're a completely solid, stable base. And then once that's there, then you can go like super huge and you can hide water tubes if you had to in it. Right. It just becomes an interesting, almost like a vessel instead of like a, a hairstyle. <laughs> No, that, that makes total sense. So you have the hairstylist, basically, I'm just going to kind of break this down a little bit to see if I'm understanding this. So you, you're basically having a hairstylist to help you fasten styrofoam, essentially, over, over sword, right, in various shapes, and you're inserting everything that you've got going on, whether it's a water tube or, you know, whatever design you have into that styrofoam, essentially. Um, usually the styrofoam, like, I will pin flowers Usually stuff that doesn't need a water source, like right. in or greens. Right. I'll actually use corsage pens and just like pin it directly to the styrofoam. Gotcha. And then if I need more space, I can do like a separate armature that's attached to the styrofoam that gives right. me a little bit more little opportunities to add things and hide things. Right. But then I can use hair like to hide things kind of the way you would use like Spanish moss in a, in a basket. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's like you get a lot more interesting textures and colors that you can work in. Right. That seems to be part of the model. So there's less separation between like flowers and model. Gotcha. It's like a one thought entity at that point. Sure. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And I love the idea of styrofoam. That's, that's actually a really cool idea. Um, I can imagine how easy that would make things. Um, the, the hair piece I made, uh, mine was a middleina structure the first one that i did for the runway mm -hmm. that luckily my girl had long hair so we made multiple pony ponytails type thing and um or or bonds hair bonds and the structure was kind of zip tied into it mm -hmm. and then everything else was just built on it but um but yeah i mean it was definitely challenging so had i had styrofoam in there <laughs> in those hair that would have been a lot easier actually now that i'm thinking back and that, that just came from, like, a need to, like, make something that was super light and could be worn for, like, four or five hours mm -hmm. um, and easy to design into. And yeah. that that's where that came from. 
Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for the tip. And that, yeah, you best believe I'll be using that. <laughs> and I think that like hair stuff and like fashion stuff really forces you to, to come up with new mechanics. Right. Yeah. And, like, I think that's, I actually did a class in North Carolina last year that was only like three people were floral designers. The rest was just like people interested in art. Um, people just thought it would be fun. And we mm -hmm. did um, a full day class where we did hair and makeup mm -hmm. and and had people that had never worked with flowers before do like my style of headpieces. And it was amazing like how well people did. And it was Aww. just like, once you teach the mechanics and like give them the structure to like make it work, right. like and, like totally take off into totally different directions. So that was like super exciting to see this like kind of the regular public come in and do a class and be super excited about it. That's really cool. Yeah, no, um, I found people who visit that specific museum are just really awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really, I, I've worked with multiple museums on different occasions and North Carolina Museum of Art by far is my favorite museum to work with actually. Oh, yeah. yeah, they've been so welcoming and easy and everything. At the same time, they're so structured. Mm. That is it's it, organized, not structured like in, in like they put you in a box kind of way. But they're very, very organized, you know, and uh, upfront about everything. And they do care about their museum and their art. So it was, yeah, I enjoyed working with them a lot. So, but, but also the public that comes there definitely is hunger for that. Just, just hungry for that and yeah I'm so glad to hear that mm -hmm. yeah well Arthur I feel like I held you long enough at this point you know I feel like I can ask you a thousand more questions but you can always have a part two sometime. I was just gonna say that I feel like I want to have a part two are you gonna be at the um, symposium by any chance this year of course <laughs> yay I'm getting inducted so I'll see you there yay I am so excited yes so awesome. Well, it was it was my absolute pleasure. And before we part ways, um, I did mention where people can find you. But if you you know if you can share also where people people can find you and admire your work, that would be great. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, basically, you can do babylonfloral.com, and that links to my my Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, my Instagram is just Babylon Floral Design. And then I'm working on a second kind of more artsy curated version. That's um, Arthur Williams flower art. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's it. I don't do Twitter. That's too complicated for my brain. Yeah, same. But I think Instagram is my favorite. And that's where things kind of go first. Like nice. all stuff goes there. Nice. Happening. All right. And well, I appreciate it. And I will make sure that all of this goes in the show notes. So you guys will not miss anything. Arthur, it was my absolute pleasure i cannot wait to see you in vegas and yes i we may actually need to do part two okay <laughs> sign me up all right all right you have a good evening okay i'll talk to you soon all right bye well it's a wrap thank you everyone for listening for tuning in to viva la flora live podcast we'll see you next week